we're going to continue right there in chapter 9 of Romans. Uh, you see, we got as far as the avodah, the worship. Uh, the word is cult. I mean, a word for translating that. Because, you see, it comes from the word to work. Just like our cultivate and cult come from the same word. You see? The cult. And then I've already quoted for you, but those devout holy people who did that kind of knowing that they were obeying God and moving somewhere, somehow they knew that, they live by the same grace we do. And that, as I've said, the covenant has never been revoked. Okay, and the promises. The promises. How many promises? We call most of them prophecies. Behold, this uh, uh, young woman, this virgin, will be with child and give birth and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel with us, El, God. That's who he is. God with us. In a way beyond anything anybody could possibly imagine that he would become man. You see? They had the promises. I will come back and so forth. You see? And they clung to them. And then they knew they sinned and then somebody of the Psalms, you know, there's this one beautiful Psalm where it's going through and talking about all the promises to David. Then it says, but we don't see any of this now. We don't have a King David. We don't have any Davidic king at all. When are you going to make good on this promise? Jesus. By instinct, that's why so many started to call him what? Son of David. You see? The promises. There's one more makes the seven and then there's an eighth. There's are the patriarchs. No other nation in the world can say they had Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, these great people who founded a people who went down into Egypt were led out by Moses, the patriarch. You see? And so, the patriarchs. And from them, the Christ, according to the flesh. You see? Finally, the Christ, the Messiah, according to the flesh. May he who is above all, God, be blessed for the ages. Amen. One of the toughest lines in Paul. Does he mean that the Messiah is God above all? Or is he just blessing God who worked all this out? Either is possible. Read in Philippians 2.6, Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal to God a thing to be clung to. So he could be saying that he is God blessed forever, the Christ. Or he could be saying, blessed be God like the Father. We don't know uh, which. But that's his introduction. I want you to know who I'm talking about and who they are. And, and that my heart is broken. I will fulfill my vocation. I will preach to the Gentiles till I drop dead. One of the reasons I do is to stir the Jews to jealousy. When they see what's possible. I used to say that to the Palestinians, uh, Christians. If you really love each other and love them, they're smart. They'll say, they've got something we don't have. I wonder what it is. They love us. We've been treating them badly. And they love us. What have they got that we don't have? 
And many, many Palestinians understand that. Many. And you don't. Now he enters into the discussion. Not, of course, that the word of God failed, for not all the descendants of Israel are truly Israel, nor because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. Now he's going to start distinguishing between children, children of the flesh, descendants, seed, and so forth. This promise was made to your seed, those who are really born of you, Abraham. For not all the descendants of Israel are truly Israel. He's going to start making distinct. Nor because they are the seed of Abraham are they children. What is he saying? Well, what about Ishmael? He's of the seed of Abraham. Is he part of the children? No. That's the problem why we have all these wars in the Middle East, trying to figure straighten that one out. Because they're all sons of Ishmael. The Arabs. So it's still going on, is what I'm trying to say. So they are, see, not, nor because they are the seed of Abraham are they children. You could be seed of Abraham and not a child. That is, not all the children of the flesh are children of God. Because, remember, out of Egypt I called my son. So, some are children of God, but some are not. And so now he's going to explain that. But the children of the promise are considered as descendants or seed. You see what he's saying? Only those that are children of the promise, that is, from Sarah. For the word of the promise is this, about this time I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but also Rebecca. Well, first let's treat of that for a moment. Only the descendants of Isaac. Because Ishmael is a descendant of Abraham, but not, uh, you see, the children of God. God did not adopt Ishmael the way he adopted Isaac. He doesn't hate him. He loves him. But only Isaac is Isaac. So then he goes on to say, you see, um, so, so the word of the promise is this, about this time I will return and Sarah will have his son, and that is the son of the promise. So everything connected with that line of God's activity belongs there. Everything else doesn't. That's what he's saying. It's true. But then what happens when Jesus comes, he opens up that sonship to everybody. Because now we're all made children how? Anybody in that vast audience out there can answer that? I won't know because I can't hear you. Because of the Holy Spirit. Because we are children, God has sent His Holy Spirit so that we can cry, Abba, to God. We're children of the promise. And our Father is God Himself. And so that's what's being said, you see. Um, not only that, but also Rebecca conceived children from one coetus, from our father Isaac. When they were not yet born, nor had done anything good or evil, in order that in keeping with the free choice, the purpose of God might remain, not because of works, but because of the one calling. This is a complex sentence. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. See what he's trying to make his point? 
It's not flesh, it's God's choice. Rebecca had twins. They were not both called children of Abraham, considered children of Abraham in the same sense. Because, as, the, as God said, the, elder, the older shall serve the younger. And as it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Now that doesn't mean hate, it means loved less. That's just a Semitic way of talking. So you see what Paul is saying? It's not just automatic. You see, it's the child of the promise, and then he has twins, and only one of them is, is the chosen one, the younger one, Isaac. You see? And then Jacob, and so forth. So, what then shall we say? That there is injustice with God? Certainly not. And now comes this mystery. For he says to Moses, now you're going to notice in this section, from 9 to 11, he's discussing with Jews, with, with everybody. But it's a Jewish discussion. Therefore, he is quoting the Bible all over the place, all the time. Already, do you see how many quotes we've had? First, we had the promise. At this time, when I come back, Sarah will have the son. Not Hagar. Sarah will have the son. You see? And then, the, the younger, the older will serve the younger. So, it's not just flesh. It's promise. You see what Paul's getting at? Okay. So what then shall we say? There is injustice with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now that's a quote from Exodus 33:19. God is explaining, I've chosen. Now, what we understand is this, finally, huh? That the choice, I'll tell you what it's like, even in our day. The Easter candle. God lights one candle. And every other candle is lit from that candle. This one goes to that one, to that one, to that one. This one goes to that From one. The one is the chosen one. And Jesus and the saints. And everybody that touches them is set on fire. So the one chosen is not so they can live on easy street. They're chosen so that they can spread the light of God. So the image came to when you're at the Paschal Vigil. This is what means to be chosen, you see. Therefore, it's not a question of who wills or who runs, but of God showing mercy. Now, another quote. Scripture says to Pharaoh, that's God saying to Pharaoh, For this reason I raised you up, so that I might show my power through you, and thus my name be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy upon whom he wills. Now, when you think of that, just think. We're sitting here, you're sitting there, and we're listening to the Word of God, trying to ponder the Word of God. How many other people are doing that? And is that because we're so holy and so smart? No. It's because God has led us to do this and to profit by it. We are chosen. But with that camp, we're a candle. Now we have to get other people to, you know, get light from us. Preach the gospel. Why were we either baptized as children or become Christians? You know, why? 
the mercy of God. The mercy of God. You see? Therefore he has mercy upon whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills. That's a that's another text from uh, Exodus 4. He will then say to me then, why is there still blame? For who can resist his will? Tough question. He's got to choose this. He's not going to choose me. So then why blame me if I'm not chosen? Paul says, I'm going to give you a very complicated theological response. No, he doesn't. He says, O man, rather, who are you to answer back to God? Why don't you go to God and say, I trust you. You have a plan for my life. I want to fulfill it. I want to be with you forever. You can choose me, not choose me, do what you want. Just let me be part of you. Let me be there with you. Let me serve you. That's all I need. God would love to hear that, wouldn't he? You remember where these two fellows went to the temple? One goes up to the front and says, I thank you, I keep all the rules, I do all that stuff. And the guy in the back, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord said very, very significantly, if you read the gospel there, that's Luke 15, that one, the second one, went home justified rather than the other one. The chosen one wasn't justified. The unchosen one was justified. How are you going to figure that out? That's what it says. Who are you to question God? But it's very interesting, isn't it? You see? Um, and then he has one more example. Uh, I think we have time to get through it. Does not the potter have the right over the clay from the same mass to make one vessel for noble and another for ignoble uses? What if God, wishing to show forth his wrath and make known his power with much long suffering, has endured the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, that he may make, might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for such glory. You want to know if you're chosen for glory? Go ask God. The very fact that you know enough to go to ask God is already a sign of where you belong. And yet we're free. So you see, this is going to challenge us as well, my friends, as we go through these verses, these three chapters, 9, 10, and 11. Amen.